This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. The year-end edition. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. We are here with you for the next hour, wrapping up 2019 and really the 2010s. Yeah. Altogether, it's a it's a it's a decade in review type of uh, theme here on the show, as it has been kind of everywhere lately. Got a little bit to uh, see what we took away as some of the biggest things in 2019, but then the 2010s in in total as well. Because um, as we've said all, all week on LNK today, a lot happens in 10 years, and especially around the sports world, and we'll be able to kind of pigeonhole ourselves into that and not go too far away from what Husker sports are. A lot has happened with Husker sports in this last decade. If you think just hitting off the top, changed conferences, yep. coaching changes uh, for Heroes. a number of different sports. AD changes. AD changes. There's yeah. there's all of the different things that have happened over the course of this past decade that really goes through and affects everything else across the athletic program. Mm-hmm. Um and we've seen teams hit the highs, a couple national championships. We've t- seen teams hit the lows, kind of the football going three straight, missing a bowl game. So a, a lot to uh, a lot to unpack between not just this year but this decade. Yeah, I mean, Doc Sadler started this decade as the head coach of Nebraska basketball and, and ended the decade as an assistant. Yeah, that's a that's a wild ride. <laughs> that's a wild ride. I didn't have any kids last decade. Now I've got four. How about that? I didn't. I didn't have a dog last decade. Is that? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's close. This similar, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we've got a lot to get to. Let's let's start with the 2019 uh, year in review because I think Caleb, when we came into this year, the optimism was sky high for football. I think nationally. Locally, I don't think it was quite in the clouds. It was climbing, but it wasn't there. Maybe. Uh, at any rate, you were still anticipating kind of what Bill Moose was saying at minimum, a, a six-win yeah. season and getting to a bowl game. Like, hey, that's at least a step, right? And that didn't even happen. You end up 5-7. and seven, You end up coming up short against Iowa and in a few other close games, obviously, uh, Colorado, Indiana, Purdue. It was It was... It was a season that I think a lot of Husker fans will want to forget, but depending on where things go from here, uh, it could lead to some stuff. I mean, you you found out that Wandale Robinson is a dude. That was nice. Uh, defensively, maybe you found some guys that can contribute for the next few years. Uh, and maybe you've got a quarterback battle in 2020. Who knows? There's a lot of stuff that you can take from 2019, even though, by and large, it was hugely disappointing. Yeah, looking at just football, I do very much agree with that on the, the national outlook. I think was much higher than what the local outlook was between anyone in Lincoln, Omaha, the state of Nebraska. Um, now, uh, 
would we have hoped? Were we thinking still possibly seven, eight wins was was realistic? Yeah, that uh, that's what I was thinking. I was still thinking seven, eight wins was absolutely realistic. And then you look at the Indiana and Purdue games, and you go, okay, if both of those go Nebraska's way, well, that's the seven wins right there. Yeah. And then you have that the couple of close losses. Well, you're you're right there. It's just getting over that hump and getting some more of those guys, and that's signing day. Signing day, I think, was something better than what we had expected, not just earlier in the year, but within two weeks of signing day. Mm-hmm. Um, the way to go and close that out, sign 22 guys, what was it 11 four-stars? Uh, I think it was 10 on Rivals, maybe 11. I, and Somebody might have got bumped up, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah ten, right in there. Well, 11 because uh, Xavier Betts went and signed after signing day. I think he was one of the ten that I've counted. Okay, I'll see. Uh, but double digit, yeah, yeah. double digit four stars, and that's not something that happens every year at Nebraska. Uh, another top twenty class. That's how you build for the future. You have to have the ingredients to make the meal, and now it's up to the coaching staff to go and make the meal with what they've got. Um, to steal a, a phrase that I heard from Dirk Chatlin, that was a really good one earlier this week. <laughs> um, but that. That's one of the things that you have to have to build the program to go to the future. This is, I think I saw the 2010s were the, the worst decade for wins since the 60s, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so closing out this decade with 4 and 8, 4 and 8, 5 and 7, that doesn't feel great. But what we saw on the field were, I saw improvements from the year before. Um I think play calling needs to work itself out. Iowa ran in their bowl game last night a lateral pass for a touchdown. And that hurt me a lot inside because we see we saw Nebraska just against Iowa run a bunch of lateral passes mm-hmm. and end up negative yards, negative yards, negative yards, and really not set anything up. Clearly USC was not defending that the same way that Iowa was no, against Nebraska. No, not at all. Not at all. USC sitting way back. Um, and Iowa obviously goes on to win that game. Um, and college football playoff going on today as well. We'll, yep. we'll dive into that a little bit more later. But just looking at this year for football, I liked what I saw. There was obviously places that could have been a lot better. I did not like the breakdowns in the two games between the buys. That's Indiana and Purdue. Those should have been a lot better games for Nebraska. But looking at what we have out of the quarterback situation, we got to see what Luke McCaffrey has. We know what we have in Vedral. Yeah. And then now you're bringing in Logan Smothers, who's expecting to redshirt, I would assume. You've got a deep quarterback room. I'm excited for that part. Mm-hmm. Our entire offensive line is coming back next year. You, you got to see the development of Cam Jurgens as a center, where from the beginning of the season, we weren't sure if he was going to hit Adrian Martinez with some of the snaps. And by the end of the year, yeah, there was still a couple of bad snaps here and there, but it was not anything that I would say was wild Yeah, yeah compared yeah. to the beginning of the year. You watched a guy learn how to play the position that he'd never played before. And you, you saw that out of a lot of guys. On defense, you said, we saw some guys that we're going to see into the future. Garrett Nelson getting that black shirt, and then now going to just, he's going to be around as a leader for the next few years. I, overall, that's that's kind of 2019 Nebraska football. Is it is it disappointing not getting the bowl game? Yeah, but did the coaching staff find a way to to send out the year on a little bit of a high note with signing day? Also, yes. Yeah, yeah. Twenty three signees and uh, ten four stars according to Rivals dot com. 
uh, Xavier Betts included. There's also Isaac Gifford listed there. They say 24, but he's not officially on scholarship yet. Um, also, with uh, the, the year in review, 2019, uh, basketball started off great, ended not so much. Yeah. That was uh, so we we of course were on a high coming out of uh, coming out of 2018 after Nebraska rocked Creighton in Pinnacle Bank Arena. That was a huge win for the Huskers, and they were as high as a three seed in some of the bracketology yeah. that was floating around there. And then Isaac Copeland goes down, and they lose to Ohio State, and they the losses just kind of start piling up, and before you know it, everything is on fire, and everybody's like, oh my god, how did this happen? And then you're playing with, what, five scholarship players? And yeah, you're playing, you're playing with like... ons by it, the end of it. Yeah, by the end of it, it's a like a seven-guy rotation. Yeah, two, yeah, yeah, seven, yeah, because you had uh, Costello and, and Johnny Trueblood having to... Having to put in a lot of and minutes. And True out of the Blood Big Ten showed up. Yes, we we like that. That's the part that once it got especially into that conference tournament and that little bit of a run there, mm-hmm. it was. And I know we've said it a little bit this year with Thor going. Well, why wasn't Thor playing more last year? Just because of the, the way he's played and when he's on the floor, mm-hmm. how much of a of a leader he is, being in the right place at the right time. Johnny True Blood on the floor was like instant energy. Yep, and had that little bit of a run obviously it ended it ended short and then that leads to the coaching change uh just because of the way things kind of fell apart yeah and had fallen apart at a couple different times in a few different seasons for coach miles so that gets us to fred hoiberg though mm-hmm. like there's there's always the the lows and the highs of what happened okay the the on-court product maybe wasn't living up to what some of the expectations were but then Fred Hoiberg is coming into town, and that was another terror. Like that was a was that one of the worst kept secrets? The same way the hiring of Coach Frost was, everyone saying this is pretty much going to be the guy. It ended up in that in, in that place. I mean, the Frost thing was a foregone conclusion for a lot of people. Obviously, there was a little bit more to it than that, as as was reported. But with Hoiberg, it was like kind of a pipe dream initially, and then more smoke started to come from it and then it was like, oh geez, there's fire. This this might actually be a thing. But by the end of it, I mean, yeah, everybody kind of knew where it was going. And even during the Big Ten tournament, if I recall, there was Hoiberg rumors that were pretty yeah. pretty strong, pretty pretty strong indications that that was happening while Tim Miles is still there coaching and then the NIT and he's still coaching. And you know, it was just it was that was a weird, weird year for Nebraska basketball. It was just I mean, I remember doing Nebraska ball after hours after the first home game of the Big Ten season, and I literally said on these airwaves, you know what, people who are still worried that Nebraska's not making the tournament, like, not making the tournament was so far outside of my mind, I was like, they would have to collapse in so spectacular a fashion, you would shake your head and say, not even Nebraska basketball could pull that off. And they sure enough, <laughs> they went and did it anyway, and it was just, ugh. and Tim Miles ends up as a BTN analyst when it's all said and done. He's fantastic at that, I have to say. I don't know that anybody thought he wouldn't be, but he did actually, I mean, he's he's prepared, he's funny, which we all knew, mm-hmm. especially those of us who've covered him, and yeah, he's he's doing extremely well with it. That's that's where that's where he can really carve out a niche. I do think if if he's passionate about coaching, there'll be a place for him, probably at a mid major. Mm-hmm. 
but God, seeing him on there, he's good at that. It's almost yeah. like he was made to do that with all of the experience that he does have. Um, and the other part of it is he's a really well-liked guy. Yes. I, I don't think there are Nebraska fans that when they went – when they decided to part with Coach Miles, I don't think there were fans that said, well, good riddance, I never liked him anyway. Yeah, Maybe they didn't like some of the stuff on the court, yeah. But him as a person, I don't think there's anyone that really didn't like Tim Miles. It's funny how Nebraska basketball's former coaches are still pretty well embraced. Like Barry Collier came back during the NIT game, and he got up and everybody gave him a standing ovation. And Doc Sadler obviously is... <laughs> Doc Sadler and yeah. he's still around now and and very much a fan favorite and and you know Danny Nee he's come back a few times people loved him and he ended poorly when he when he was uh, let go in 2000 but you can uh, even look on the women's side they celebrated the 2009-2010 yeah, team and Connie Yori came back on alumni day and she yeah. got a standing ovation that place went crazy for her yeah and that that whole deal is a whole nother story that might take more than one show <laughs> to get through but yeah it, it was it was pretty wild um it, just seeing the way that Nebraska basketball started so high in 2019 ended with such a thud and then oh my god Fred Hoiberg is coming to Lincoln Nebraska to coach the basketball team what is what is happening and, and a completely retooled roster now yeah. and yeah. Go, going through all of that and lost last week to North Dakota Nebraska ball does have their last home game of the set, or of the decade of the year on Sunday at 1 taking on Texas A&M Corpus Christi pregame beginning at noon that right here on 1400 KLIN also on com and the KLIN app. You know, I was so North Dakota beats Nebraska and so now there's three of these awful home losses this season. You got the uh the opener against I don't even remember who. Who was the opener? It wasn't Southern, Southern Utah Southern? was the second one. Southern was a win in overtime, but it was a win. Um, Southern Utah UC was Riverside. the game. Riverside was the first. So Riverside, Southern Utah, and now North Dakota. If you recall, there were three of these such games in the Tim Miles era. It was just the inexplicable, awful home non-conference loss. Um, those were over the course of Miles' seven years. Fred's just getting them out of the way now here in year one so that he doesn't have to do this again, right? Like, that's what he's doing. Tell, is, I, I that, would, that's what I he's would doing, think, right? I would think. Right? Right? And that, that's so weird to see those <laughs> and then, then like, oh, went two and one in the Caymans. Yeah. Oh, split a weekend with Indiana and Purdue, and the one that they lost, they went to overtime at Indiana. Beat Purdue fairly handily, a team that had just destroyed the, nas- the defending national champs a couple weeks before. Yeah, that game, if we have to remember, Nebraska was up 52-50 to 50 mm-hmm. in that game, mm-hmm. and then Charlie Easley goes to the line, 7-3 Matt Harms, exits. Nebraska wins seventy to fifty six. Yeah, pulled away big time, and and they were they were in control of that game for parts of the first half as well. Purdue had a little bit of a run as well, but it was it was. I mean, Nebraska really took it to them, and that was interesting to see, and gives you a little bit more hope as you uh, as you get into Big Ten play. And hopefully, when they get into Big Ten play, they play like they did with those first two conference games because this conference is going to be a buzzsaw. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to see games that are going that are teams that are much better than North Dakota. And I think they know that, but you cannot have a you cannot play with kind of the the lack of and it wasn't energy. Coach Hoiberg said yesterday that he saw good energy, mm-hmm. but he said he said the body language said they weren't taking it to the level they needed to. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's 
you hope that they're going to be able to get up for the teams in the Big Ten, and and maybe they've played down to their competition a little bit here uh, in the non-conference. But I think what the the thing that a lot of people are taking into Big Ten play that they didn't think they would be is, wow, this team is actually capable of beating a lot of Big Ten teams on a given night, depending on what happens. And I don't know that you thought that they were going to be capable even of that, like even of a, of a you know jump up and bite somebody type of game. Now you know they are because they have, um, and and I think that's what uh, what gives a lot of Husker fans hope. I know I had said that they're going to shoot themselves into some games. I didn't know they were going to shoot themselves and play themselves into the possibility of actually winning some of those games, Yeah, like at Indiana, because the way they shot was, oh, crap, they've got a chance to win this. Yep. Um, and I didn't. I thought they would have a chance to be close in some games. I think there's there's a real big possibility for Nebraska ball to to win a few more conference games than we thought uh, a month ago. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. All right, let's take our first break. Wrapping up the 2010s, wrapping up 2019. It's a year in review, decade in review show. That's Caleb. I'm Cole. We're taking you through the hour here on the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Hi folks, I'm John Baylor, and On to College with John Baylor is simply the best paying job your high school student could have. On to College ACT prep increases your student's scores and college scholarships. We hammer the grammar in live OTC classes in Omaha and Lincoln and online ACT prep for your student anytime, anywhere. Enroll today. OnToCollege.com. That's O-N-T-O college.com. Let's hammer the grammar so that test day is payday at On to College. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Back here on KLIN Husker Hour. Wrapping up 2019 here with Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stugenholtz. Thanks for joining us all year long. And uh, we'll be going strong into 2020 as well. And Caleb, we haven't hit yet on volleyball, but obviously the most successful program of the last year and decade yes. another elite eight and a couple national titles in there yeah so over the last i believe since 2015 and i don't have the number in front of me but i believe since 2015 in the months of november and december yeah. nebraska volleyball 64 and 3 it's okay that's not bad that's ridiculous to go or or 64 and 5 or something like that i know, I know it was it was well, since 2015 15 and 17 were the national titles so 16 18 and 19 they would have losses if they lost, maybe a couple more somewhere. Yeah, in the five season, five sounds maybe. right. I could find the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sixty four and five. Even, shoot, even if they went sixty four and fifteen, you're you're into like Osborne's last five years territory with yeah, that number. Yeah, that that is that is ridiculous. And to go grab, uh, went four straight Final Fours. Yep. Uh, winning the national championship in two of them. Um, this year just ran into their team. Just ran into the team that had their number yeah. uh, in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin got three sweeps on the season. Um, and it's also really tough to go and have to play that regional at their place. Yeah. Um, that's, what makes, that's what makes the volleyball postseason, I think, uh, unique compared to you get to the NCAA basketball tournament is that you have to go through these home sites to get to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so say next year in 2020, as Nebraska brings uh, everyone back who finished the year playing, obviously we know Capri Davis going down to Texas, but if Nebraska is a top four seed, that means first and second round is at Devaney, 
That means regional round is at Devaney. Yep. That's the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. And then the Final Four is in Omaha. The entirety of the tournament for folks on Nebraska's side would have to go through Nebraska. That There's just so much of volleyball that is unique in the fact that they make kind of home court advantage a real thing in the postseason. And Nebraska's clearly taken advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and teams know that when they have to come to Devaney, they have to bring the best they've possibly ever played. And Nebraska was able to get by Hawaii, get by Missouri, get into that regional round. Um, and then obviously ran into Wisconsin there with the chance to go to another Final Four. Those two national championships, I mean, what what else can you say for, for Coach Cook that one of those was a year ahead of schedule? Mm-hmm. They, they were, oh, we're going to be rebuilding. Oh, look, a national championship. Yeah. Um, can't say enough about... Uh, Fecky and uh, was it Maloney? Kenzie Maloney. Yeah, the yep. the the job that they did while here, and there's so many other players. This this Nebraska volleyball program, not only conference championships, national championships, but puts teams on Coach Karai's national team mm-hmm. that that go and play in the Olympics, play in the the World Championships, representing Team USA. It's amazing what what Coach John Cook has done. Not just this year where we saw this team with no seniors, but over this past decade and really over the past two decades that he's been in charge. Yeah, no seniors, one. And then the other thing you mentioned, uh, having the whole tournament run through the state of Nebraska once in a while. Hey, oh, by the way, 2020 Final Four is in Omaha. Yeah, yeah so, that's what I was talking about. Welcome to the state, and and that's going to be, a, I think they're going to be a prohibitive favorite uh, to to get back on top after Stanford's class is, is finally gone. And oh. they... they, they Hey, Nebraska's had a heck of a run. Stanford did even better with uh, with their. With so, their sometimes, sometimes you just have a good class that comes through yeah. and is just going to carry you. Um, and we see that a lot more with women's sports than we do with men's sports. Volleyball, they're going to be there for four years. Women's basketball, because of the rule in the WNBA, you have to be there for four years. So yeah. we see it a lot more where you can have a class come in and carry you through three and four years, depending on what time they start getting minutes. Mm. The the men's sports, you really don't see it because there, there's a lot more pull to go pro if, if you're of that kind of elite level. You do at least need to stay three years in football, so you see a lot more dynasties in football. Basketball, it's so chaotic with the one, <laughs> with the one year that deal. That is absolute, absolute chaos. And the transfer portal, obviously, uh, messing some, some things up there. Do you want to mention also, um, as we look at our year in review, uh, Nebraska men's track team won the yeah. Big Ten Conference indoor this uh, this past year. So that that's one of those that anytime you can listen. The SEC is what would probably be we would say the premier conference for track and field. I know this is kind of diving a little bit um, out of maybe some people's norm. Um, the SEC is the the top track conference, and a lot of that has to do with weather. It's easier to go yeah. down and get a lot of outdoor practices. The Big Ten, I would say, is next. Yeah. Um, the the Big Ten next, maybe maybe some some Big Twelve, but to go and win the indoor championships, uh, and they had to go to Michigan to win that. That that's amazing. That that's a great job uh, being done by these track programs. And I know they put a lot of people at nationals over this this decade. Um, I just haven't followed it quite as closely. I do know. They're they're doing well. They got a number of guys. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but it's the 800 runner 
out of or cross country runner out of South Africa. He's been doing really, really well. Yeah. Just got to mention some other teams doing well. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're the, you're the track and field guy on this show. Yeah, that that'd that's, be me. That's definitely bowling not has my done forehead. well over the decade. Well, Bill Straub. Yeah, I mean, he's the man. And I'm not sure how many national titles they've had since 2010, but I think he's got seven. Something like that. Some of them were not like official NCAA. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't recognize bowling as an NCAA sport. So they've got some, I don't know if it was considered club or what, but um, they, they've they been dominant ever since he's been here. And I think, did he, he just retired, right? This is his last season as, a, or he's going to retire at the end of this season, maybe? Um, oh, I've got it pulled up by year, and we'll just start yeah. with 2009, 2010. Yeah. NCAA runner ups. Third in 2011, third in 2012, champions in 2013, runner-up in 2014, champions 2015, runner-up 2016, runner-up 2017, third in 2018, and third last year. So that's two national never, titles, And never worse up. than third. And never worse than third. That's okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> His daughter was in there as an All-American as well. Look, it's bowling is, is a monster, and Bill Straub... Can't can't say enough about what and that's did. what makes a well-rounded university. I think sometimes it gets lost that it's not. And I know what we carry on the air is football and basketball and volleyball and baseball. Yeah, but a well-rounded university has all of these other sports doing well. Track and field does really well. The the Devaney Center, that indoor track with the hydraulic curves, mm-hmm. that's an amazing facility. Um, and I I did track at the Division One level in college. I went and saw some great facilities. Nebraska's indoor was my favorite one that I was at. Mm-hmm. And there were some very good places that I was lucky to go to, yep. like Illinois, Wisconsin, um, and a number of places across the Midwest. I liked Nebraska's indoor the best. That's a fantastic facility. And to see them use that and have really quality athletes, that's good to see um, Nebraska bowling doing what they've done. And we, we've seen a number of teams, uh, Nebraska, the cross-country teams have done well, Rifle, um, beat Army this year. That, hey. That's always a fun thing to say when you can beat Army in shooting. Our Army, <laughs> as Jack Mitchell would say. Yes, our Army we <laughs> beat. Um, the soccer teams, um, I haven't really followed a whole lot there. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was the play-by-play voice of the women's soccer program for three years when Brittany Timko was winning mm-hmm. Big, Big 12 Player of the Year every single year. Yeah, they they they've gotten better uh, in ways, but they've still they've not really made a dent in the NCAA tournament. Um, but John Walker literally started the program. He's been the coach every single year they've had a team, um, and they've been they've been successful on and off, and and they've they've run a pretty consistent operation over there. One that we uh, we haven't mentioned yet, wrestling. We know always consistently ranked high mm-hmm. um, throughout throughout their seasons. Yeah, that's uh, you you think of Nebraska. And, Wrestling kind of jumps up there. Jordan Burroughs, James Green. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty consistent machine over there, too. And he's been there forever. He was there when I was uh, back at the Husker Sports Network in the mid-2000s. He's been there for a long time. And he was good friends with Doc then. He's good friends with Doc now. He gets along with pretty much every coach that comes through. So I'm glad Doc's back as an assistant coach. Aren't we all? I mean, <laughs> just, just a breath of fresh air getting him back into the program. The the run he was on 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 social media too, right when he came back, for, right off the bat, that was and when they went to the Bahamas. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Bahamas is a trip to Italy. Yeah, oh, Hoiberg Italy, is, that was that was an entirely different doc that we needed. Standing in the in the, uh, um, are you not entertained? 
Like wait, the Coliseum. The Coliseum. It's the call it the arena. That's not that's not the name. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get into a little bit more with the football year. Uh, not in a year. We did the year. The football decade. decade in review. Some of the best players. Some of the best games. Some uh, of the best some of the, moments. Yeah, some of the moments. Uh, some of the the storylines that you may have forgotten. Uh, over the course of the last 10 years. Uh, that is still to come as we wrap up 2019 and the 2010s here on the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. It's the sale so big, Ernie's in Soresco couldn't wait for New Year's. Announcing huge savings and up to 72 months, no interest financing now, 10 to 6, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day at Ernie's. I repeat, up to 72 months, 6 years special financing, unqualifying furniture, mattresses, flooring materials, select 4K TVs, and Connecticut water packages. So, Santa forgot your Lazy Boy recliner or mattress set? No worries. It's price to save with up to 6 years special financing. Save like crazy. Then ask about special 0% financing for as long as 2025. It's the big one. Huge savings. Up to six years, no interest. It's now and 10 to 6 New Year's Eve and New Year's Day at Ernie's in Soresco. 10 money saving minutes north of Lincoln on Highway 77, downtown Soresco. And at Ernie's Mattress First, 30th and Yankee Hill Road, Lincoln. And here's the legal stuff. Minimum purchase subject to credit approval and monthly payments. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Wrapping up the decade here on the KLIN Husker Hour. And uh, what a decade it was. Not Not exactly for good reasons all the time, but there was some good stuff in there. Um, let's, let's dig into this. The, the 2010s for Nebraska football, uh, you had some, some pretty nice players for Nebraska that came through, uh, that had really great careers, uh, at the college level. Some of them have gone on to even better careers as pros. Uh, guy like Rex Burkhead, for instance, he was a legend coming from high school football in Texas, mm-hmm. had a really nice career at Nebraska. And now you look at what he's doing with new England and he's, Scoring touchdowns to knock the Chiefs out of the AFC Championship game, and he's playing in Super hitting, Bowls, hitting clutch, getting clutch touchdowns to take the lead against the Bills in a game that would have helped the Chiefs climb the ranks. Is <laughs> he's just destroying my team? I'm trying to see fine. which 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 lens you're viewing this from here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rex, Good there for you, Rex. And we yeah. have to think about this. Uh, is is since we brought up Rex first, he leads into one of my favorite moments of the decade. The spring game in yeah. 2013 yeah. with Jack Hoffman's touchdown run. And we think Team Jack's just been around forever. It's only been around for now six and a half years. Mm-hmm. In that, that spring game, now every year we have the, the Team Jack radiothons and all the money that's been raised to help with research for pediatric brain cancer um, and a number of other things that that organization has done out of little old Atkinson, Nebraska. Because of that one spring game with Jack Hoffman, yeah. who's now playing, who played junior high football this last year, and Rex has stayed a big part of that ever since then. Yep, yeah, it, it's it's pretty incredible, and and that is definitely one of the moments that I think we'll all remember forever um, as as Nebraska football watchers and and covers and and whatnot. Another thing that you you can take from this decade, uh, there were some conference championship opportunities to be had. 
Um, I, I think the further you get away from those, the further you uh, the, the 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 less you remember about. Uh, they were up seventeen nothing against Oklahoma uh, in that twenty ten Big Ten left Big the Big championship left game. the Big Twelve with a conference championship. Yeah, even as even as the conference was trying to stick it to them with the Eric Martin suspension and the A and M penalty discrepancy, and they did it again after that loss with the bowl rematch up in the same venue with the same opponent that they just played earlier in the season. Um, good riddance, Big 12. Sometimes I think, you know, maybe this would be more fun if they were still playing Big 12 football with Big 12 opponents, but that whole operation, yeah. you know, pass. What a joke <laughs> it was. But there were chances for championships, and in a couple of those, um, we, we think about some of the players, How a, and I know rubbed some people the wrong way, as he got older into his career and injuries and things didn't exactly go as planned, but Taylor Martinez was on another level when when he came out, right? Yeah, yeah. 2010, he was five games in after that K-State game on a Thursday night. He was on the short list for Heisman Trophy. He had 240-some rushing yards against K-State on a Thursday night, primetime, everybody watching. And then the next week was the red out around the world, Texas game, and he played like crap, and he got benched, and then he got injured a couple weeks later against Missouri. Uh, in a game that was the first top 10 win for Nebraska in a long time, uh, but then he got injured, and he wasn't really the same the rest of the season, and it was just downhill from there. But yeah, he was, I mean, you the the start of 2010 football season was a three-way quarterback battle between a, Taylor Martinez, Zach Lee, and Cody Green. And Taylor Martinez, this... DB turned quarterback, redshirt freshman. Nobody knew what to expect, and he his first carry he runs it forty some yards for a touchdown. Um, it, I guess Western Kentucky, if I recall. So yeah, he was he was on fire to start his career, and and I believe the athletic when they made the the all decade team, yeah. had Taylor Martinez as the top quarterback. Yeah, his numbers were phenomenal. He, I mean, he, he compiled them over mostly most most of four years. He, you know, his, his career was cut short a senior season uh, by injury, but he was when when healthy, um, unbelievably fast. Yeah, nobody was going to catch him if he was in the open. We field. all know the throwing motion yeah. was not there. He was not a not a passer first. That's for sure. <laughs> but you have, I mean, look, he had the the drive against Michigan State. I will always remember. Because he had to hit some throws, he had to hit one on fourth down. He got one to I think it was Kyler Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, got about twenty yards on a fourth and ten. Hit Jamal Turner uh, when he had to have it before they would have kicked a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime. But they got the touchdown to win it outright. He had uh, a huge run in that twenty twelve. We have to win out Bo Pelini uh, mandate, and and you had the comeback against Michigan State. You had a comeback against Northwestern. Uh, you had close game against Iowa. Uh, they they got a win against Wisconsin in that game. You people forget that Nebraska <laughs> has a win against Wisconsin in Big Ten play. It was 2012 before the massacre in Indianapolis with the three headed monster of James White, Monty Ball, and Melvin Gordon. Um, so yeah, it, Taylor Martinez was on another level, and and that's kind of a theme of this last decade for Nebraska football as well. Freshmen getting the starting quarterback job. You had Taylor Martinez. And then he gave way his senior year to injury, and Tommy Armstrong took the reins. And now you've got Adrian Martinez. It's it's been good in the sense that you are stable at that position because so many programs aren't. 
But I think this is the first time you can actually say that they're in a better place because there's guys pushing along yeah. and making that starter better. You, at least you hope. If not, maybe just an outright replacement, depending on whether there's a, an actual battle in spring between him and Luke McCaffrey and Noah Vedrill. Uh, you see where that goes, obviously, in the future. But freshmen getting the quarterback job, there's three of them in one decade. That's wild to think about. Especially at a at a school with the, the history and being in a power conference like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But you also, there was kind of the necessity that those freshmen took the reins. There wasn't the depth. There wasn't the next guy that was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like you said, now this quarterback room is in a place where if something were to happen and a younger guy had to step in, it's not going to be a true freshman. It's not going to be a freshman having to step up there. There's also been a number of great uh, defenders over the course of this decade. Yep. Um, always going to be a, oh Levante David. Levante David. That that's right at the beginning. Which, by the way, Levante David, one tackle away from one thousand in the NFL. Nice. Yeah. And, and round numbers are good. Yeah, he's been good. <laughs> Um, Levante David, just off the top, right there, and Jared Crick was the best player on that 2010 team. After Sue left, um, he, he was also in the 2011 group that would have, you know, been in, you know, big the. I think he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, if I recall, mm-hmm. uh, as Nebraska entered the Big Ten as ah oh, the new the next bully in the Big Ten, and that didn't go so well. But Crick was dang good at football, and yeah, and went and played was, the Texans and the Broncos. And... Yeah, had a nice NFL career. Just because he played next to Sue, that's not the only reason Jared Crick from tiny little Cozad, Nebraska, that's not the only reason why he was good. He was pretty good. Um, and, and that defense in 2010, uh, even after Sue was gone, uh, it was not 2009 level, but the 2010 defense was unbelievable. You had all those pieces in the secondary, Levante David in the middle. Uh, you had Pierre Allen and Barry Turner coming off the edge. Like That was a good defense in 2010. That was probably the best overall roster that Bo Pelini had when he was here. Watching Prince of Mucamara. Prince, yep. Alfonso Dennard, another corner. Like That 2010 team was the best roster probably of the decade, which yeah. is the first year of the decade, and, and it's that's not fun to say. But yeah. <laughs> hopefully things are turning around. And Nate Gary was another guy. He was uh, a, a very... Very good player for Nebraska. Played as a true freshman. Oh, he, He's he gone did, on to have a he, nice little. He NFL got hampered with well. targeting calls. Never oh, going to forget that. The end of 2015, when Nebraska had the the losing season, but still went to the bowl game anyway. He got knocked out of. Was it the Iowa game? Yeah, and then the the bowl game against UCLA uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't catch a break that guy. And watching some of these bowl games going on right now, I'm like, man, Nate Gary would have got called for a targeting there. Mm-hmm. Definitely would have got called for a targeting. Wide receivers over the course of this decade. Yeah. Um, off the top, just immediately, Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell. The, laying the wood to a Wisconsin <laughs> guy. I don't care how any how the rest of the game went. That is a forever gift to use with what Afro Thunder threw down. Yeah, well, and, and it's also cool when you're a wide receiver, but the play that you might be best known for is a block. That And that was a big reason... For and first of all, when he threw that block, there was not a rule about blindside yeah. blocks like that. Nope. They that block really became the rule for what we see now that you can't just go hit a guy who doesn't know you're around. Well, they did flag it too. Yeah, they I flagged it. It was, was penalized. It unnecessary roughness. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have something to call it and just called yeah. it unnecessary roughness. 
Uh, unnecessary roughness, too good of a block. We had to call something because the guy was like on the ground. For We weren't sure if that guy was breathing, yeah. so we had to throw a flag. Yeah. Um, but you, you start there. Tra- and that was you, a touchdown, too. Yeah. Um, Jamal Turner. All of the catches that we saw from Westerkamp. Yeah. Dude, Hail just Mary the, 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 the Hail Mary, the, the, behind, uh, the, the behind the back on the sideline. Yep. Yep. Uh, all, the, all the different ones there. Um, you, you went through and had. Uh, Brandon Riley. Yeah, a nice career. Um, obviously, now as as we get closer to the end of this decade, you've got JD Spielman, Stan, um, first thousand yard receiver in Nebraska yep, history. Yep. Um, and if we're going to count it over the course of the decade, yeah, Wandale Robinson is a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you've kind of the, the wide receivers at Nebraska have been good. You, yes. you, you've had one or two guys there that are really good. Yeah. Now it's just with this current offense, can you get them to block on the edge? And I know that at the beginning of the decade, you had those guys were going to block on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, another story from the the past decade uh, on on a sadder note. Sam Foltz, yeah, uh, was was going into his senior season, thought to be maybe even an NFL draft pick as a punter, was an incredible athlete, um, and uh, life was cut short in a car accident in Wisconsin uh, in the off season before 2016. Uh, Nebraska starts the year with their first punt of the year. I was, I was, State I was at that with game. No punter. I was at that game. That yeah. was um, chills. And you, you had kind of thought, okay, what are they going to do when the first punt comes out? And they ran out, and you went, "There's no punter." And I, I yeah. told a couple of people, "Go, oh, guys, there's no punter." Yeah. So we stood up, and then you saw the entire crowd stand up, and um, I got to make sure I'm not going to get emotional thinking about it now because yeah. being in that moment when there's ninety thousand people. And where we were seated in the stadium is close to where the visitors section is. Yeah, they were standing up, sure, going just about as crazy as everyone else was. Yeah, um, entire crowd erupting, clapping. They throw the flag, obviously, get the delay of game, and Fresno. And then you look it. over, and Fresno declines it right away. And I think the crowd actually got louder. Yeah, the crowd got louder because they went, "Yeah, that this is this is a moment that we're all going to take part in and say we're honoring." We're honoring a guy that really deserves it, and I mean, you saw it back in the '90s with Beringer, and you saw it now with Foltz. That there are guys that were going to have fantastic careers on Sundays mm. that just got cut short because of accidents. Yeah. Um, and Sam Foltz, the other part of it is just like Beringer, a great guy off the field. Not just what he did on the field, but he was where he was at. He was helping kids at a punter camp, at a specialist camp. Yep. Um, Cole's kicking camp. He he was trying. He was giving back a, a lot of what he, everything he had grown up with, learning. He was trying to give back to help uh, the next generation of kids that wanted to go pursue their dreams, and then ends up. Um, and they had the Fultz jersey yep. um, at every game. That was another emotional part of that entire season. Yeah, I believe playing Oregon. Oregon gave him a jersey. Yep. Um, and then when the Michigan State game came around. That that was another big emotional one because there was the Michigan State kicker yeah. was one that Mike was in Sadler. The yeah, yeah, they're 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 punter. Yeah, it was it was uh, and and having one of, I think one of the last pictures that he had taken of him um, around the athletic department was that fun was run that where fun run the kid Ugh. looking up at him he's he's smiling he's running the kids just like idolizing him it, it, that picture yeah. epitomized what Sam Foltz was he was there to give back. And he was what kids were looking up to. Yep. And, I mean, yeah, he's a punter, but he was an athlete that was going to play wherever you asked him to just because of the type of guy that he was. Yeah, yeah, and his impact still 
uh, I think is felt uh, from from all of his teammates, from certainly Husker fans. I think the the NFL uh, cleats, the my cause my cleats thing. I believe Nathan Gary had the Forever Two Seven either last year or this year, mm-hmm. still on his cleats. So um, definitely uh, impact that uh, that has been felt uh, long after he's been gone. Um, that's Sam Fultz, uh, one of the one of the most impactful stories of uh, the 2010s for Nebraska football. All right, uh, let's take another break, get to a few more uh, teams across Nebraska Athletic Department with uh, the decade in review, some of the best players that we've seen, and uh, some of the best games as well. No Sit Sunday yeah. within the last decade. Probably the best game of any sport that I've attended in my lifetime. Uh, we'll, dig in, we'll dig into that. Uh, we've got a little bit more time here. Stick with us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Guys. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Wrapping up the 2010s here on the KLIN Husker Hour with Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Let's reach back a little bit further just for a second because ESPN did name their all-time All-America team for college football's 150th anniversary. Three Huskers and actually native Nebraskans were named to that team. Uh, Right off the bat, you've got 72 Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Rogers as an all-purpose player. Um, And it seems like Nebraska continues to have really good all-purpose players, J.D. Spielman, Wandale Robinson. Mm -hmm. Uh, But first team, all-time All-American with Johnny Rogers. And then you got a couple of linemen, um, center Dave Remington, guard Dean Steinkuhler. And they actually ran off, I believe, so Remington won... Back to back Lombardies, and then Steinkuhler, I think, won the next Lombardi. Yeah, Remington's last year was nine, was eighty two, and then Steinkuhler's last year was eighty three. Yeah, and I think so. They yeah. ran off three in a row, yep. which is fantastic. And there, they make up two of the five spots on the second team offensive line. Both won the Outland Trophy. Obviously, they named an award after Dave Remington. <laughs> Uh, the first guy who won that was a Husker, Dominic Riola, in 2000. Um, they've they've started naming the winners from past years uh, as well. So yeah, that obviously you're going to have offensive linemen. Um, I think we can all agree that Sue got snubbed. Yeah, I again. think we agree that Sue got snubbed. The first team defensive tackles were Bronco Nagurski and Leroy Selman. Okay, Nagurski's got an award named after him. That's fine. Leroy and, Selman and, was pretty good. And his on Oklahoma. there, the, a lot of his talks about the fact that he went and played like he ran the ball. So they kind of gave him the defensive side of it. All right, but gave, don't just stick to the fact that he's got a defensive award named after him. You don't yeah. need to talk about the fact that he's a two way player because that's yeah. a different era. Yeah, back in the twenties. Yeah, um, and then we slide Guy down Chamberlain and Tom Novak's era. The uh, second team defensive tackles Randy White. Maryland in the 70s, and Joe Green for what was North Texas in the 60s. They had better pro careers. They're putting them on there because of their pro careers. See, that, that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking. And you, Honestly, if you, if you watched Indomitian Sue play, even just in 2009, yeah. how is he not a top three guy the same with Aaron all Donald. time? Aaron Donald has had an amazing NFL career, obviously. Uh, he was, he actually, if you look up his numbers, his numbers are better than Sue's in college, mm-hmm. which is startling to think about, but they were. Um, and neither one of those guys can make that team. Come on. 
whatever. But, all right, let's let's transition back here to Nebraska. Some of the best games across all sports, uh, or some of the best moments across all sports that uh, that that I can remember. Um, I mentioned it right before the break. No sit Sunday, right at the top. Yeah, um, you had Nebraska right on the doorstep of making. Uh, making their best pitch to the NCAA selection committee in 2014. It was Tim Miles' second season. You had these transfers who came in and sat out the first year. Duran Petaway, Walter Pitchford, um, another one that I'm forgetting. And Siobhan Shields is uh, either a freshman or a sophomore. No, I think he's he was a sophomore because he came in with Doc originally. Benny Parker off the bench. Uh, you have Ray Gallegos as a senior on that team. And they just... Blow for blow was like a heavyweight fight. Nebraska with seemingly no business hanging with a top 10 team, a Wisconsin team that ended up going to the final four. Uh, and Nebraska wins, and they storm the floor, and of course they make the NCAA tournament in, in 10 miles second season. It was the most awesome atmosphere inside an arena that I've ever been in. I was at uh, one of the Royals World Series games in 2014. That's really the only thing that rivals it. Uh, but the the... The the collective force that that Nebraska fans inside that arena were willing the team literally nobody sat down it was amazing like the name stuck because it was a fact it was no sit Sunday and uh, it's going to be hard to top for me ever that is in yeah to go and get the win like that and that that's one of the things that I think it goes across all of the sports is the atmosphere that Nebraska fans are able to bring especially in some of these bigger time games. Um, but obviously made the NCAA tournament. How big did the trajectory feel on that program in year two, go to the NCAA tournament, and then things not exactly kind of pan out? And obviously that's what leads to a coaching change. But to to have that kind of a day lead into that kind of a finish on the season, it still feels like kind of a letdown that things didn't continue on that trajectory, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the last year you had high expectations or the, not the last year, the next year, you had high expectations because Teran Petaway was coming back. He was just uh, just led the conference in scoring in 2014, um, and then uh, there were a lot of issues with that team. They ended up finishing bottom four after going top four uh, in 14, and um, kind of had to retool the whole thing all over again. And I mean, basketball so hard to do because you're going, you know, dealing with transfers, and it's hard to sustain success like that, especially for a, a fledgling program that's trying to make a name for themselves. Um, but yeah, they 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 could not sustain that for sure. Um, so it, that was that was one of the best games. You think back a little bit further for basketball, the Doc era um, in 2011, I think it was Nebraska beat Texas. Texas was ranked third in the country, uh, and Nebraska held on and won at home uh, with like six games to go. Uh, and you thought, oh my gosh, they're going to get in. They're going to get into the tournament. They hadn't been to the tournament uh, since 1998. Uh, and and Doc got the win, and that was the Kent Pavelka sign your name, Doc. There's your signature win. Uh, and then they fell apart. Probably lost, I think, four of those last six. Lost the first round or the second round of the Big Twelve, Big Big Twelve tournament at the time. Still, um, and uh, and that was that. Yeah, that that team still had Matt Hill, right? Texas. Yeah, that Texas um, team, I think Lincoln was, Southeast. I think that or was, was that, a little bit earlier. Or was that the year before that he was a senior? I think that was a little bit earlier. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but that was that was the last uh, the last gasp of of Doc trying to to get in, and then it just didn't work out the next year, and then he was gone, and Tim Miles took over. So um, that that was a, a game that I remember um, for for basketball as well, and and just of recent vintage, uh, I think that Creighton game just. 
having having not had any success against Creighton, having them you know make tournaments almost every year, having them get into a power conference so to speak with the Big East doing what they're doing, um, that was something that I think Nebraska fans just they they had to you know had to get that out and and they got it out in a big way. It was a blowout victory. I think that's another one that that really stuck with uh, Nebraska fans. Um, sticks with me, even though that season ended up turning south in a hurry. One of the bigger games that I remember, and this is more because my dad played baseball at Kansas, and so I kind of grew up more as a Kansas basketball fan, paid a lot more attention to that, yeah. um, even over this last decade, was the game that Nebraska almost beat Kansas yeah. uh, just a couple years ago. I know, I think, I, yeah. I know you, we're, we're talking a lot about some of the games that are that are more wins and um, and on, although on football we talked about the conference championships that didn't go our way, that that game with Kansas that was one that yeah it was it was non conference so that was a chance to go get a big non con win. Yep. Yeah, and it was close. You had right at the end Kansas hit a shot. Nebraska went down the other side, could not uh, match it, and and would have given them the win. Um, season ended up going well, thirteen and three. Uh, that Michigan game that year where Michigan came in and Nebraska blew them out by twenty. Um, that was that was the best win of the year, and it was really the only opportunity they had um, to get the big boys in the Big Ten at home, and they obviously missed the tournament despite going thirteen and five uh, in conference play. Um, baseball, Nebraska wins the tournament, uh, not not the tournament, but uh, won the conference in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, got broken through with a, a Big Ten championship when everybody kind of thought they were going to run that thing when the 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 conference is realigned um, after hitting the 2010s with a thud, missing the last three Big 12 tournaments, uh, Nebraska baseball finally got a, a championship in 2017. And we are 48 days from the start of the Will Bolt era. Hey, there you go. Uh, that weekend series beginning February 14th, 15th, and 16th at Baylor. But when you look at when Nebraska joined the Big 10, the Big 10 was not funding baseball the way Nebraska was. No. that that that's That's possibly... The biggest story outside of success on the field for any of the programs is what Nebraska baseball did to the Big Ten Conference. It elevated the entire conference where they started spending and supporting their baseball programs the same way Nebraska does. Mm-hmm. And that you've seen it with how good the conference is now. Yeah. That, that, that money is there. Those resources are there. And those teams are able to compete. Yeah. Indiana made a College World Series. Uh, Illinois got a top eight national yep. seed. Um, and then teams have been competitive since the Michigan got to the final last year, almost won the national title. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely an impact. Um, real quick as well, women's basketball undefeated in Big 12 play in 2010 with Kelsey Griffin and Lindsey Moore. Got the one seed in the NCAA tournament, knocked out in the Sweet 16, I think, by Kentucky. Fantastic yeah. season that, that we all remember, and that's obviously what was, was Connie Yori, who got honored earlier this year. Yeah. Um, Coach Amy Williams, their, their squad set to go this afternoon at 1 on B1073, taking on Iowa, a 9-2 and team. Uh, to start conference play. Yeah, Big Ten play starting up. Exciting times. All right, we're wrapping up the show, which was wrapping up the decade here when we come back on the KLIN Husker Hour. Sunday at 1. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. All right, back here to wrap things up on... uh, what was an eventful decade for sure with uh, Nebraska football and basketball and volleyball and baseball and pretty much every sport. Uh, we are uh, 
We're going to be in 2020 when we come back next week, Caleb. Next decade. And just a quick reminder, women's basketball today at 1 on B1073. Men's basketball tomorrow at 1 right here on 1400 KLIN. That's it's right. been a good decade. It has. It's been eventful. I've enjoyed it. I, I've, I've enjoyed most of it. I'm here I now, I so I'm en- looking forward to what 2020 yeah, brings. There you go. I, I didn't enjoy Melvin Gordon running all over Nebraska in 2014 in the snow. I enjoyed picking up picking him up in my fantasy football leagues after that, though. All right. Uh, he's a <laughs> couple championships. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, thanks. It's been fun. Five uh, five years, half this decade, we've been on the air. Go Big Red.